I don't know what's up with this new meme format. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, what you doing if you're on a date with this girl, but Aragorn, son of Arathorn, runs in and tells you the, the beacons, beacons are lit. Gondor calls for aid. Have you seen these? No. I don't like how it's a continuing thing because it doesn't matter who I'm on a date with. If the beacons are lit, Gondor calls for eight. We ride. But Goth Mommy. No. This is true. We ride. <laughs> Do you even know where Gondor is? Yes. My iconic that might cost more than a time. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. Uh, we are... <laughs> Sniffly already. Hold on. A few moments later. We are three scrappy idiots with another setup yet again. Colin is calling in through a string and tin can phone. I'm sure that's what it'll sound like too. Oof. He's making Walter White. That's what you guys sound like. My name is Walter Hartwell White. All right. Um, it was like 10 o'clock last night when Spencer sent the news. So I did not have time to edit the news. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to cover the comic book news. And it's going to be like a, a fun little challenge where it's not just my job to edit the news. It's going to be everybody's job. We're going to go in a circle and we're going to Look at the article, and we're going to summarize in 30 seconds what the article's saying. Oh, God. I haven't looked at the news. Oh this God, is oh fair for everybody. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. So, <clears throat> from CBR.com, Marvel VFX workers vote to unionize. We've suffered far too long. Oh, I've heard about this. Um, the, 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 um, the VFX workers were like, it's been years of like crunch and um, getting paid little and like Disney eats up a lot of the studios for other movies so that like other movies can't get <laughs> good VFX. Um, and uh, the entire industry is sick of it. So they're unionizing and pushing back against uh, Emperor Mickey. Yee! That on top of the writers guild and the actors strike and uh, like all of Hollywood is burning down and it's kind of entertaining. It is. It's entertaining in its own right. Yeah. You guys know who that woman is? No. Do you realize who that? <coughs> no. Don't care. Gondor calls for aid. So the thing about this that I thought was neat is that it's actually the Marvel Studios VFX team leading this because they're actually really small. There's like 20 of them. I think the article said 50. Something like that. It's a very tiny number because everything is outsourced. So the fact that it's the people directly within the company who like don't even get to do their own work that are that are kind of jumping on this as like the, the figureheads, I think is neat. Very good. Um beans that's what jacob says anytime i exist 
Vision is the last Avenger standing in Jed McKay and C.F. Villa's new Avengers arc. Right now, in the pages of Jed McKay and C.E. Villa's Avengers, fans are witnessing Earth's mightiest heroes ascend towards an uncertain destiny. Entangled in the grand machinations of Kang the Conqueror's quest for the missing moment, the Avengers are facing off against an interdimensional group of villains called the Ashen Combine. These deadly nihilists and their impossible city headquarters represent only the first of the tribulation events, a series of large-scale disasters the Avengers will have to overcome to prove themselves worthy of a responsibility beyond measure. When the dust settles on this epic battle, the Avengers will assume command of a new base of operations in an effort to ease the heavy burden they have committed to. Their journey is just beginning, with each ex- and with each explosive issue, the full scope of Kang's agenda will reveal itself to the Avengers and readers alike. On his approach to the team's epic clash against the Ashen Combine, Jed McKay told CBR in the latest installment of Earth's Mightiest Spoilers, it's less about stretching themselves too thin than it is about showing that the Avengers are the ones who have to step up when something like the Ashen Combine hits the world, even when it's on disadvantageous footing. The Avengers don't always have the luxury of assembling, and when you have to protect the entire planet, you're going to have to make tactical decisions as to how to apply your strength. I think it's neat. The cover looks cool. Yeah, the art looks solid. Mm, beans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, World by Night. Uh, number one, uh, issue number one, first look summons Elsa Bloodstone for a black and white adventure. In a special first look at Werewolf by Night, uh, Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone team up to face a monstrous threat. Uh, In Werewolf by Night by Derek Landy and Fran Gallen, Jack finds himself in a race against time to save a young girl about to be sacrificed by monsters, and he isn't the only one. When Elsa runs right into him, they're forced to put their differences aside and team up, but will it be enough to save the day? told in black and white with pops of orange werewolf by night number one will reveal all uh yeah i think it looks really cool it's interesting i like the art uh i like the coloring i would say the pencils look very like saturday morning cartoonish but that's kind of cool it's a one shot it it looks like a lot of fun i'm buying it i don't like the orange Really? Yeah, I don't think when you have orange, you need like you can't just have black and orange. That's just fucking it's it's too harsh. It's too harsh. Hmm. And that's not just black and orange. That's fucking green in there and there's also that blue. That's just the cover. So that That's not the cover. Pretty sure I thought that was just the cover. Mer that panel look first one's the panels uh you're right if you can even yeah Yeah. i I see from marvel again the mad titan goes to war against the illuminati in new thanos series christopher cantwell and lucas bizarri deliver an all-new thanos thanos epic this november the Thanosy. Uh, from Chris Cantwell, the writer who brought Marvel's other big bad to Eisner nominated Heights and Dr. Doom and Lucas Pizzari, 
the acclaimed artist known for his recent work on X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse Number 1, comes a four-issue limited series that presents a riveting fresh take on the Mad Titan. The saga will follow Thanos as he rockets to Earth from the darkest depths of the cosmos to undertake his most ambitious conquest yet. The only ones that can quell his passionate fury is a new Illuminati. Mr. Fantastic, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man have reunited to guide the superhuman world from the shadows, and joining this new incarnation are Emma Frost and Blue Marvel. This cabal, composed of Marvel's greatest minds, has wasted no time in sharing a secret that will shatter the heavens and provoke Thanos' deadly wrath like never before. Let me find one more thing. It's on sale November 8th. Tony Stark is doing nepotism by bringing his, mo- his most recent wife into the Illuminati. Just saying. I like the cover with the, the Infinity Gauntlet and every character from the, uh, this new Illuminati is like surrounding Thanos. That's pretty cool. I think. I, I agree. Um, Beans. Beans. Um, there's two of them back to back that it's just Loki got a Loki season two got a trailer and a poster. Just I put them next to each other, just so you know. This November, Jessica Drew has a new mission, and this time it's personal. Announced last month at San Diego Comic-Con, Spider-Woman is a new ongoing series that spins directly out of Gang War, the upcoming crossover that sees war erupt between New York City's deadliest crime lords. Written by Steve Fox from the X-Men Annual and Dark X-Men, and drawn by rising star Carola Borelli, Jessica Drew will strike out on a brand new direction as she's tasked by Spider-Man to take down some of her most bitter foes. But something has made Jessica angrier than ever, and her ruthless crime fighting will shock her fellow heroes during and beyond the events of Gang War. As she tries to solve the heartbreaking mystery that's upended her entire world, Spider-Woman will come face-to-face with a terrifying new force of evil. Fans can discover more about what kicks off Jessica's dramatic new journey in a special preview uh, in the upcoming, or now-released, Amazing Spider-Man number 31. Um, Jessica Drew has been my favorite Marvel heroine since I was a kid, Fox said. From the instantly classic costume to her complex backstory, there's just so much to her. She's a spy, a smart street, street smart detective, a superheroic best friend, an Avenger, a Spider-Verse hopper, a mother, and a survivor. Getting the chance to do it alongside, alongside Corolla as well as Eric Coda on our prologue has been bioelectric heaven. Um, this looks really cool to, to me. This character is super bizarre um and she's always kind of tossed in with the spider-man adjacent characters that she has nothing to do with like she's not like a spider like that it's a whole other thing she has the most convoluted retarded backstory in the world and i love it Hmm. spy shit is fun eat my nuts spy shit is boring eat my ass (laughs) to be continued I knew you were going to be talking about this this week, you motherfucker. I've been waiting. I'm waiting. Ignore me. Who will the ultimate power of the century? Find out this December in a new series written by Jason Liu and artist uh, Luigi Z- uh, Zagara. Zagaria uh, Ziggurat. This December, the century is back in an all-new limited series by two of Marvel's most promising new new creators written by jason lu and uh, luigi ziggurat the saga of bob 
What? The saga of Bob Reynolds and the Century was one of the defining Marvel Comics mysteries of the 2000s, and now it's time to reveal a whole new layer behind Marvel's Golden Guardian. Bob Reynolds may be gone, but the power of the Century can never be destroyed, and if he doesn't return to claim it, others will. Um, Colin, have you read century? any Century Such stories? No, I don't really give a shit about them. I have a feeling you'll be uh, into it. Uh, so it looks to be that this whole series about uh, the, the idea of trying to figure out who's going to be the new century. And it seems like a uh, boring bingus. Hmm. Uh, Spencer already said that uh, Loki season two got a new trailer and a new poster. It's coming out. I think that poster has been out for a while. I think we talked about it last time. Maybe. I think it's it's coming out like next month. I am Groot season two got a trailer. That's exciting. And that I'm actually excited for because they're absolutely nothing burgers. That's exclusively meant to pad out Disney Plus with children's content, but it's adorable and I don't care. <laughs> From comicbook.com, Marvel teases Spider-Man colon Rain 2, coming as most notorious Spider-Man story ever told. Marvel has released a new promotional image teasing a return to the world of Spider-Man Rain, teasing it as the most notorious Spider-Man story ever told. The original four-issue prestige format miniseries was published in 2006 and 7 and centered on a future version of Spider-Man from a dystopian future in which superheroes were mostly retired and New York City was a police state. Train. In the story, Spider-Man comes out of retirement guided by hallucinations of Mary Jane Watson Parker, Peter's late wife who seemingly died due to radiation poisoning related to Peter's irradiated semen. Spider come. I knew it. I knew this was what this was. Why the fuck are we returning to this? Because Marvel editorial hates (laughs) Spider-Man. They do. The series was written and drawn by Carr Andrews, and while it certainly didn't rise to the level of acclaim it was shooting for, the story explicitly references The Dark Knight Returns. It evoked strong reactions with some critics calling it one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time and others calling it one of the worst. You can see the teaser image in the article. I think it's nice Best that they're letting Spider-Man. the writer and artist come back. I do like Car Andrews. I've, I've I've seen a lot of a lot of their stuff that's really good. I just this story is is infamous for a reason. It's super bizarre. He's Spider Come has re- somehow Spider Come has returned. Dude, <laughs> the, imagine coming so bad your wife dies. That's it's just so absurd. The wrath of Spider Come. <laughs> Revenge of Spider Come? Spider Come strikes back. (laughs) Don't care. Won't read. Don't care about Spider Come. From comicbook.com, after putting his stamp on the Marvel Universe, Jason Aaron is about to write DC's Dark Knight. On Monday, DC officially announced Batman Offworld, a six-issue miniseries that will be written by Aaron with art by Doug Monk and inker Jamie Mendoza. 
Offworld is set to be the second story that Aaron has ever written in the main DC universe after Joker's Asylum Penguin number one in 2008. I remember that. He has also worked on popular Vertigo books such as Scalped and The Other Side prior to working exclusively with Marvel for several years. I fell in love with the comics because of DC, Aaron told IGN, who exclusively broke the news. The first books my young beardless self ever plucked from a grocery store spinner rack were the new Teen Titans and World's Finest and Batman books that opened a door to a universe of stories that would quite literally change the course of my life. So it is with a great honor and excitement and that at long last, I get to make my proper debut as a DC writer with a Batman story that takes a young Dark Knight on his own first adventure into the far wondrous reaches of the DC cosmos. Uh, The official uh, summary reads, a routine night in Gotham City for a young Batman proves to be anything but routine when the crime fighter is confronted with a sort of foe he's never faced before, one from beyond the stars. A universe of possible alien threats leads Batman to make a daring decision to venture alone into the far reaches of the cosmos for the very first time, where the Dark Knight will face the fight of his life. Batman in space, written by one of my favorite writers, I came a little bit. Have you seen the promotional pictures at the bottom? Poison Ivy is like a a Borg character, like something straight out of Star Trek. This looks so hot. Of course, you'd say that's hot. Um, Don't care, won't read. Really? Wow. Damn. It's just there's nothing enticing about it. It just looks like same shit, different sauce. Mmm, sauce. Doug Bank does have the sauce though. I haven't I haven't seen a book by him in quite a while. So Jacob, since you have doomed us to this hell of shenanigans, you go first. Uh, I think it was you that doomed us, but you sent it an hour before you got here. And then we were up for five more hours. Yeah. Smoking and joking and drinking and petting kitties. We did pet kitties. Well, one kitty. I read Spider-Woman by Dennis Hopeless. It is... (sighs) A big book. It collects Spider-Woman 2014's run, so issues 1 through 10, and then 2015's run... One through five, and then eight through 17. And it has a couple of pages from Amazing Spider Man 2015, number one. Uh, it's illustrated by Greg Land, Javier Rodriguez, Natacha Bustos, Veronica Fish, and Ty Walker. There's a lot of different uh, <clears throat> art teams that were involved in this. Um, There were five reviews on Goodreads. It was like three four stars and two five stars. And I was like, well, shit, because now there's a three star review. (laughs) It is frustrating. It's choppy. This book is choppy. It's interjected with stupid crossover events with Spider-Man or uh, this dumb little Marvel event called Civil War 2. It's just, I'd be, there'd be like a three issue arc and then it would like hit the emergency stop 
and start completely over again. The next issue would read like any uh, any uh, Green Lantern issue. Hi, my name's Hal Jordan. It's like, what the? F- we the, the train was about to crash. Like, what is going on? <sighs> Gotta read Civil War 2. Oh, don't. Um, the, the artwork in here goes from really hot and, and looks great to pretty cartoony and it's passable, which is fine. I just wish it had been more consistent. Like the the first six issues, I think, are gorgeous. And then from there, it literally is like a crapshoot of like how it'll look issue to issue. Yeah. Um this is the run that <laughs> Oof. locked Spider-Woman into the character of being the pregnant Spider-Woman. Like, that's usually how she's portrayed in a lot of things. And it's like, there's a lot more to her than than having a kid. But this is the reason why she has the kid in this book. Um, So there's quite a bit of that. It's a lot of like... Just Spider-Woman trying to figure out how to be a mom and a Spider-Woman and how to be, how to, to stay friends with her friends when they're being stupid in Civil War II. She's like super tight with the, with the Carol Danvers, uh, Captain Marvel until Civil War II comes around. And she's like, no, fuck you for no reason at all. Um, and then they come around at the end. I don't know. It was just. It felt like this series was cursed. It felt like it was made just to be included in other things, despite how often the writer would try to do cool things on his own. It felt like corporate was like, no. Now you're going to tell this story because we've got other shit going on. The coloring so, is pretty, pretty good across the board, though. I'll give it that. Yeah, it looks great. Um, Colin's not allowed to borrow this because there's a lot of, uh, of uh, MILF poses. Um, I don't know. I picked this up because I had just seen Across the Spider-Verse. And I was like, I don't know this pregnant lady on the motorcycle. Like, I don't know anything about her. I don't know, like, her real life name. Well, her, her, <laughs> whatever. Her not Spider-Woman name. So I picked it up and I'm kind of just left uninformed now. <laughs> I think the stuff from the mid-2000s was pretty solid. So you might want to go there, maybe. I think that was the most amount of spy shenanigans she was up to. So this is like 25-ish issues, and I got it for a cover price of 50 bucks. Jesus. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. If it was good, that sounds like a steal. It's not like I really hated my time. I read through it quickly enough. It was just so choppy that it was like, 
in the end, nothing really kind of happens. Nothing fun. I don't really remember any story arcs like, oh, this one was really good because she just does a thing and it's there. She comes in and mom's all over the place. There was a surprising amount of language in it. Like it, it was all cartoon squared out, but it was like if it wasn't edited, she would have quite the mouth on her. That was kind of surprising. What that mouth do? Mm. What that mouth? Sh- shut up! Shut up! I was just about to say that. As you're as it was coming out of your mouth, I was like, "Ooh, what that mouth?" Oh, fuck you! <laughs> Colin. Okay, cool. Uh, I was about to take the next one. Anyways, I read um, issue one of the Humarks. Uh, by Victor Apley. Um, let's see. Let me pull up my synopsis. Victor, the fantastic amazement, introducing the Humarks by Victor Apley. It is this beautifully inked, um, black and white book. It's issue one. I believe the uh the series is going to continue. But it took like 10 years just to finish the first issue, Jeez. which I related to. And I wanted to read this so badly. And I was uh, thinking, well, if it took 10 years, it must be really good. The art is amazing. But the story, it follows these two humarks, which are human sharks, a, a hammerhead, and just like a regular uh, shark that you we all know and love. Um, and they're in this weird, um, astral plane of existence. That's what appears to be in the beginning. And they go through all of these, um, hearing the narration, the, like the narration and talking to the narration about how they're failing, at least the main character, the main shark, who's not the hammerhead, but the regular one. And, um, going through this weird emotional um, uh, arc of the story and how he needs to um, be better, but also that like he is enough at the same time type of thing. Um, But there's a couple of pages where it feels like it's cut weirdly and you're like, what's going on? And you realize that there are these weird humanoid sharks that are in these giant studying pods being studied by these scientists and they're running like matrix like experiments on them so what you thought was this astral plane is just a vr simulator type of thing that they're in and you have no idea what the tests they're running are except for that the very end of the issue it's like, did, did we fail? Like the scientists are talking to each other in the like stark black. And they're like, what, 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 what just happened? That's never happened before. I guess we'll just have to run the simulation again. But the inking is just phenomenal. Everything is traditional. And then, of course, things like uh, the red penciling and blue penciling are edited out in uh, Photoshop. But the ink is just crazy wild with all the different um textures 
and different techniques this guy uses, uh, Victor Apley. Um, I bought this. Well, actually, I became a patron for him, uh, for his Patreon. And I just so happened to be a part of this point in time where he's like, oh, you just uh, you just got in time where I'm sending uh, my patrons the new book. And I got the new book for basically like 10 bucks, even though it's worth 15, because I was only like a patron for like two months at the time. And uh, I came with a little print and a sticker and it's really good i actually really enjoyed this a uh, single issue it's like a nice thick one and yeah 10 out of 10. that's cool yeah Are they even really uh, sharks i don't know uh it's hard to tell but uh this was written and drawn by victor apley everything is just him it's not published by anything else that's cool. Yes. Yeah, it is. I suggest you both read it. Suggest on my nuts. I suggest you guys read it. Yes. I will yeah. suggest on your nuts. I will also shit in your dishwasher. That's true. Don't shit in my girlfriend. She does that enough herself. <laughs> so I... All right, Spencer, read. what'd you read? I read... Uh, I keep your poop to yourself. I shitted my pants. I read Nightwing Rebirth Volume Eleven. I am is over. It's over. Uh, this it's Volume Eleven, The Joker War. This was written by Dan Jurgens with art by a bunch of different people that mostly suck. Um, so this collects issues 70 through 77, as well as annual number three. This is the end of the Rick Grayson arc. It intersects with the Joker War event, which I liked in terms of the actual event from the Batman book. And this sets Dick up for his new adventures with Tom Taylor. Um, this wasn't as painful as the last few. Like, by a long shot, it was bearable, but it's still not great. Um Basically, it's it, the, the, the book opens up with Dick or Rick being all, I have this memory crystal that'll keep my brain from forgetting all my fake and not fake memory. So he has like multiple overlapping fake selves and stuff because the Court of Owls fucked with his head because of course they did. And then Da Joka, baby, finds the crystal and then makes it turns him into Dicky Boy, who is rescued from the circus by the Joker and becomes his henchman. It's really weird. Um, I don't really like it, but admittedly, it's much better than a lot of the Rick Grayson stuff. Um, so he just becomes like a brainwashed type of Joker Nightwing, kind of. He works with Punchline during the Joker War crossover. Um, you don't really get what the hell's going on with the event if you haven't read the other like event, because this, uh, in traditional event fashion, the reading the event from start to finish is not just the, you know, five issues in the main run, you have to bounce back and forth between all of the, the relevant titles. And the same thing happens here where it only includes the Nightwing issues. So you don't really get a complete picture of what's going on, but whatever. Um, a lot of the dialogue is actually pretty good. Um, Dan Jurgens is like an all time great writer. Um, 
So I'm not resting all of this on him, just like I didn't rest it on Benjamin Percy when the book got really bad. Because this is all editorial bullshit. The decision to make to make Dick Grayson lose his memory was an editorial. Th- well, actually, that was made by Tom King, and then editorial didn't communicate it. And then it's a it's been a nightmare. Nightwing had a bad like full years worth of comics. It was bad. Um, but this was like okay. The the writing was decent. The dialogue was kind of fun. He has a lot of good interactions with Batgirl because Dan Jurgens is a bit of an older gentleman. He writes in a lot of the um, a lot of voiceover basically like very voiceover heavy he's got that kind of 80s style to him which i don't mind um it works well because this book is primarily about dick's internal monologuing um it was readable i'll give it that um the art style is really inconsistent in terms of the style in and of itself and the quality i don't even want to name the artist who worked on this because it feels weird because it's super up and down and up and down in terms of like that looks good that looks bad that looks good that looks bad. That looks like it had two minutes to, to be drawn. And then the next page is like, this took a year to make. It's super weird. And most of it's done by the same couple of artists. So I don't know what the fuck was going on with deadlines here. Um, and that's my 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 takeaway from this and the entire, this whole year of, what was it, 2019, 2019 or 2020, whatever year it was, for, for Nightwing Comics was uh, fuck editorial and deadlines because they've screwed over everything. Um, there was a Christmas story at the end of the run, which I thought was nice, where after he gets his memory back and he becomes Nightwing again, him uh, him and Batman go on some shenanigans. Batman sends him to go uh, like help a big company that buys out little companies get their money back or something because they got ransomed, but actually they were ransomed by an ex-employee who's, you know, doing the, doing the Mysterio re you took my technology away from me, Tony Stark bit. Um, and then Bruce buys the whole fucking company out and then gives all the people who were laid off housing, which is cool. <laughs> that The art in that one was nice. It's a cute little Christmas story. Um, the annual issue was really weird. It's about the condors, which is a whole other side of DC. I'd never go near. Cause I think it's weird. They're like a, a non-government organization that has Iron Man suits and they want to recruit Dick. The book just ends up with him getting sexualized and assaulted multiple times. And that's weird. And I don't like it. I don't like those characters. It has nothing to do with the ongoing plot. And it was weird. Bought this for 20 bucks uh, at Jetpack. I would recommend either a deep sale or like a couple of the issues in and of themselves. The last two, I believe, so 76 and 77, right before it switches over to Tom Taylor for the new run. Um, are definitely decent. It's it's a placeholder in the middle to kind of just give them a little bit to get their shit together behind the scenes. But I thought that those issues were were actually pretty okay. So now I can move on back to good Nightwing. I have I've completed my Nightwing rebirth collection. Colin, guess what I read? What did you read? I read Batman One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze. Uh written by Gary. Oh boy! Written by Gary Duggan and uh, also had uh, Mateos Clarera on it and Dave Stewart. This one is very good. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Uh, I just realized <clears throat> Batman's all. Um, yeah, beat the shit out of them and lock them up. You can't fix the bad guys at all. Except this one. I like this one. And this one is Mr. Freeze. And, uh, he 
gives Mr. Freeze a lab to do his work in so that he'll stop villaining all over the place and uh, doesn't work. And Mr. Freeze goes monkey mode and wrecks the place. And it was a great big story of you can't fix everything. And it was a really interesting perspective on how Mr. Freeze is more focused on himself than his wife. And he's kind of hanging on to the past. He's he's to the point where he's not even trying to bring his wife back anymore. Um, it was really, I don't know, uh, just an interesting take. I hadn't thought of it like that before. Um and he releases the cure for cancer, and that's pretty much it. Uh, the art is is hot. It brings me back to uh, the, the animated series. Like, it's so good. I think I, I think I hated that, that book, that issue. I think I tried to eat you alive uh, on the show for that opinion too. Uh yeah, well, because it's okay for you to have wrong wrong opinions, Spencer. But um I I think I didn't like that one because I didn't like how they depicted Mr. Freeze cuz he's like always doing it for his wife and I just don't like that he that they turned him into that. Hmm. Uh, I didn't like that Batman doesn't really get corrected on his bad takes of you can't fix them all, just lock them all up and beat the shit out of them. Uh, Alfred just kind of rolls with it. Uh, there's a funny shot where Alfred is like building a Christmas tree out of batterings. It looks cool. It's funny. But also, have you ever tried to build a Christmas tree out of razor blades? I, I hope not. <laughs> um, oh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't Robin's like suit design have the R like right in the middle of his suit or something? Yeah, I think that's another thing that you had an aneurysm about. Yeah, that's the fucking worst idea ever. But Mr. Freeze's suit looks cool. They got rid of the fishbowl, and I'm not here oh, doing that. Huh? Uh, we need uh, Mr. Freeze's suit is pretty cool, but also he needs fishbowl. Yes, that's what I was just getting on about. He needs the fishbowl, but the rest of his suit is cool. Uh, da, 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 da. I I don't understand this one bad day title because it's not like Mr. Freeze goes monkey mode and takes over Gotham with a great big iceberg. He just melts down mentally that was unintentional and, <laughs> and like releases the, the cure for for all diseases or something like I don't know I thought the one bad day thing was uh, like this villain's 13th reason why and they go out with a bang and like take over the world or or attempt to like this is their one last hurrah but that's not how this series has turned out. It's just like one shots focused on villains. It's kind of lame. 
Yeah, I got confused by that too because with the Riddler one bad day, it 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 showed that it was Batman's one bad day. Like he like ended like it it went off to be like the um uh killing joke where it it you can take it as Batman's ending that villain yes. and then you go on to read other ones and it's like wait, what's the one bad day? It doesn't really even feel like any of these guys are having one bad days. Right. I agree with your take on that. That's why this series annoys me, and I stopped reading it. I got this for the 18 bucks in hardcover from Stairway. There shall be more. Dude, that's hot jizz. That is hot, hot jizz. Steamy on the fishbowl. Yes. My turn? Yes. I watched a over and a, a uh, overwhelmingly uh, disappointing movie. I watched Mad Max Fury Road. No! Bad takes incoming! Um, there... We all know what Mad Max Fury Road is, you know, this dude's going through this wasteland, you know, all these things. Aesthetically, it can be pleasing. Like, I really like all of, like, the War Boy stuff. I think it's funny and how, like, they do their hands symbol with the four uh, fingers, which is a V8. I think that's really cool. All of, like, the stuff that's surrounding, like, bullet farms and, like, gasoline town. Like, all these things are really cool. For this post-apocalyptic world but then we get to some scenes that look like they're shot and edited in like wicked early 2000s to maybe 90s where he's like thinking back to like all this guilty points and in his time and it's like you let us die you let us die and and it's just this stupid like this little girl is like green screened onto uh, like her falling down in front of all these vehicles. And it's like green screen. They just like drive over her. It's like the shittiest editing ever. And then when he's running away after like, he's trying to escape for the first time from uh, when he got captured and they're like tattooing him, like what he's good for and like the blood bag and shit. And when he runs away, he keeps seeing all the people are like, you killed us. You let us die, blah, blah, blah. He just like, it's just edited so poorly and it looks like shit. And then you'll go to scenes where like lighting and color grading, all this stuff is immaculate. It's like the most gorgeous looking thing you'll see. And it's just really disappointing. And then you'll go to, um, it's just so unbalanced. It's not good. And it makes me angry because I really wanted to like this for all it's like aesthetic choices and camera work and then you can just get scenes that are like that and it's terrible um uh, i do fall for the cheesy like main character kind of like has his own dialogue he's talking out loud but not at the same time i liked that uh furiosa's cool um it doesn't you know when stories do this thing where it's not telling you everything that's happening? Like, a bad guy freaks out, and he goes to check on his thing that's like, what? what's he checking on? 
this didn't feel like it should have been that. It should have been more like we should have gotten more from it in the beginning. Like we should have gotten like he has a thing that he's holding that he doesn't want taken. But no, we're just finding that out after it's taken. And it bothered me. Just some story elements. I think the only thing that really bothers me is the editing, the way they told the story, and the um, like. Not what's the right word? Not asymmetrical, but just how it's my my first problem, my first take, where it's like uh, they 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 have immaculate cinematography and then it goes to like 90s editing or 90s cinematography it's like unbalanced in that um that's really all i have for problems about it the thing entirely i know it's a it's a silly like we drive in the desert it's post-apocalyptic i already knew that coming in so i was fine with whatever like over the top shit that was happening i already knew that i was expecting that that's the whole point of this how it was all put together and product bothers me. Otherwise, it's not a terrible movie. What if you watched um, it in the, the black and white edit? Oh, do it. Is there a black and white edit? I think it was like what made the black and white edits popular. Black, white, and chrome, bitch, or something like that. Yeah. So the black and white I'll have to watch that because maybe it makes the 90s editing look not as bad because black and white makes everything look better. Like CGI and everything. It just looks better because you don't have to worry about the color grading and like how it connects. Um, That's what I, I, I just love. I haven't watched that, so I'll have to do another take about that. But yeah, it kind of just forced me out of the movie every time it did shit like that. But I love the whole witness me, and then they all just point witness. And I just I found that so cool. I found it funny. I want to use that now in real life. Um, also, it was great when a dude just spray painted his mouth like chrome. I was like, I I yeah, I feel that. I want to predict his. Otherwise, it's, oh okay, predict it. He doesn't have it yet, so give him a minute. <laughs> I'm gonna give him the number. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm I, gonna I'm gonna guess. It's it's four mommy milkers out of seven flaming guitars. Jacob, are you gonna guess? No. You're actually terribly close. It is, um, uh, what was it? Fuck. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It is four point five, uh, cans of chrome spray paint out of seven flaming guitars. That's fair. He's adding fractions there's no to it now. Yes. So I have something that'll oh, make your week shit. happy. I mommy milkers they're just disgusting and fat so the next movie is about furiosa yes yeah, so i do know that and then and apparently the next one is like into the badlands and bullshit it's anya taylor joy i know i know because i looked up on how to watch this shit and it's like oh you could just watch fury road without any of the others 
Yeah. It's like not even a part of the same thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I saw Furiosa. I'm like, what? When's that? I'm like, 2024. And I keep seeing Anya Taylor-Joy. I'm like, mommy! You know? Yep. That was not the sound of him hitting his table. That was the sound of him hitting his meat. I was going to say his meat hitting the table. <laughs> Thank you for thinking that my meat is that long. <laughs> it's definitely that firm. That was the joke. It obviously isn't. It's longer. <laughs> oh. Oh, thank you, Spencer. <laughs> Spencer knows. He's actually my dick. You haven't. Oh, yeah, I know. It's a whole 11.87 <laughs> inches. <laughs> it goes down to his kneecap. Oh, that'd be awful, dude. He wants something from you. I want you. This I know. So speaking of horny, um, I <laughs> I read Spirits of Vengeance, War at the Gates of Hell. This is a Midnight Suns book, but not in name. Um so Spirits of Vengeance is the original title for a crossover event, like the, the original Rise of the Midnight Suns thing, which I was going to talk about this week, but I couldn't get my hands on it. Um, so that's like the subtitle that they kind of just slap on all of these. He's going pee-pee. Um, and for some reason during this time period, they weren't calling them the Midnight Suns. I don't know why. There is no reference to that group in this book. But it is made up of Ghost Rider, uh, Johnny Blaze, Blade, um, Damon Hellstrom, Satana, and somebody else. Um, so the, it's basically heaven and hell are at war with each other. I know, crazy concept, right? Mm. Um, and every like thousand years, they have a, a, a parlay, basically, where they just kind of like swap billing financials or whatever like it's meant to be an ongoing never-ending conflict so they have like a little meet and greet you know they get coffee they hang out for five minutes once every thousand years because time doesn't pass for angels and demons and shit um but some interloper is using the 30 pieces of silver to make a super weapon that can kill angels and it's the coolest shit i've ever heard of in my life um so a random magician uh, from Earth is like trying to collect the 30 pieces of silver that, that, you know, Judas was paid to betray Christ. They, of course, have supernatural powers. Like his spirit resides in the silver because he was such a tormented person and then like killed himself. So uh, his spirit like possesses the silver. It's really weird. They make bullets out of it and then they make like super weapons so they can just murder angels. So it's a whole convoluted plot stuff, but like, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> like, you're telling me, you're telling me that you're going to, you're going to melt down 30 silver pieces of coin with, with Judas soul in it to make bullets. Gimme. It's, it's just such a super weird plot. Um, the the lore is fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, the book ends with, with I think it's Michael, the, the archangel, being like, you know, we didn't actually want to win the war. We want humans to win the war. You know, we're just biding time for you to get your shit together. It's really, 
it's surprisingly not horrible in its theology. <laughs> kind of. It's weird. It's very high effort. The group dynamic is not great, to be honest. Uh, the dialogue is solid. There's a lot of good interplay between the group, but there isn't a lot of logic to who's included in the group. Blade has no reason to be in this book. He has no, no, no skin in the game. No real relevance. He's just there because like he's like one of the two original Midnight Suns, so he has to he has to be there for everything next to goats, like some form of a ghost rider. Super weird. Um, he's fine. He just does nothing really. Um, the end of the plot consists of ghost rider interfering with the parlay tea party, basically because he's not at his demon. Isn't actually from hell. So he can interfere without like destroying the world or whatever. It's really weird, but he tanks like a, a missile to the chest. It's really cool. Um, I just think the lore is really cool. The villain is disappointingly bland. It's just a magician guy. He has no real backstory that I'm aware of anyways. He, his enforcer is a demon that he is enslaved, but I don't know who the fuck she is either. Um, the art I think is pretty good. There's some really good costume designs for all of the characters. Hellstrom and, and Satana are, are cool to be included here. Uh, Ghost Rider has a really cool design that I, I, I'm a big, big fan of. Like skinny waist, big shoulder pads, very, very cartoony. Um, it was, it was fun. And th this is like one of those actual damn, this is fun type runs. Like it's a bit of a mess and it's super over the top. It's a little cartoony and a bit more cartoony than I would like, but, um, it's cool. And most of it looks pretty good. Uh, it was written by Victor Geisler. I have never read a book by this guy. Uh, and the art was by David Baldion. Never heard of him before either. Um, wacky. It was cool to read. I probably won't go back to it anytime soon. Um, I bought it for 16 bucks, 16, $17, like cover price uh, at Jetpack. Good to read. I wish there's just more of these. I, I don't like how few like Midnight Suns adjacent books there are, even though it's a very popular like subcategory of Marvel comics for 90s guys, I guess. What are you glaring at me for? I'm waiting for you to stop so that I can talk about this meme I found. Someone took a screenshot of someone at a gym and the shorts are really, really tight and high. And someone commented, if those shorts go any deeper, they might wake up a Balrog. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what the fuck? I like Wha the rings memes. So, that is the end of the show. And it is definitely the end of the news, baby. Give us money. <laughs> We like money. <laughs> if you send us dick pics, we'll make fun of you. Pay us five bucks. Um, <laughs> Colin just got really excited. <laughs> yeah, send us dick pics. We'll make fun of you. We will rate your dick pics from a scale of one to seven. <laughs> That's our niche. One to seven. Um, if you want to help support this show and our other endeavors, uh, it'd be appreciated if you'd go to patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros network. We have a bunch of different cool tiers with some nice rewards. At least I think they're nice. We have a bunch of stickers, bookmarks. You get early and exclusive access to a lot of our content. Uh, you get 
our love and affection. You get your name dropped on all of our episodes, other fun stuff, cool art things. Colin will draw Ghost Riders balls for you. Anything you want. Yep. They were balls of fire. Actually, Colin, if you send us the dick pic and the $5, we'll make fun of you. And then Colin will draw your dick and ball, but in his art style. <laughs> it will be $25 to draw your dick and ball. Uh, um, I have $25. Oh my gosh. Um, also oh, subscribe to our free stack. Subscribe to our free Substack newsletter. Jacob, and sometimes me, uh, put up summaries of all of our episodes with visual aids for the uh, mentally challenged Colin uh, with pretty pictures and stuff. Hi. And uh, that goes out every week alongside of our shows. It's free, but it's cool. Go check it out. Uh, go check our website, dimecomicbros.com for the news stuff. If you want to I don't know. Fact check us about something. Uh, next week, I will not be here. But these two numbnuts are going to be discussing CODA, all 12 original issues. Colin, have yes. you finished it yet? Yes. Yeah. I have uh, one or two issues left. Hot. I look forward to listening to your shenanigans. Goodbye. No, you don't. Goodbye. Penis. Also, cut this so, out. The holy <laughs> fucking tits! That is it. I will not cut it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate being horny <laughs> over comic art, but like. <laughs>